Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whoo. John chapter 1. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Yes, Lord. Uh, John chapter 1. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> John chapter 1. Um, <laughs> <Who? laughs> you know how silly that makes you feel when you can't talk? Whew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These are not drunk as you suppose. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Seeing that it's only the third hour of the day, this is that which was promised by the prophet Joel that in the last days, <laughs> God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pour it out, Lord. <laughs> Pour it out, Lord. Oh. John chapter one. <laughs> It says, Behold the Lamb. <laughs> Whoo, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> Whoo, just, just turn your eyes upon Jesus today. Look full in his wonderful face. Turn your eyes upon Jesus today, and this world will fade away. Thank you, Lord. Turn, turn your eyes upon the Lamb of God today. Turn your eyes upon the Lamb. Behold the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He takes away my sins. He takes away your sins. Hallelujah. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, 
saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, and I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I have seen and testified that this is... <laughs> Woo! This is the Son of God. This is this Christ, this Jesus of Nazareth. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God that's come to take away the sins of the world and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, we could close the Bible and just we call it a done deal, but we won't. That's awesome. He's come to baptize, to save you and to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus spoke of John the Baptist and said he was the greatest of all prophets. You can find that in Luke chapter 7. But he says he's the greatest of all prophets. Why would Jesus say Jesus, that John the Baptist is the greatest of all prophets? Because he had a revelation of who the Messiah was. The world was spinning in turmoil. They were awaiting the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And Jesus steps onto the, the edge of the, of the Jordan River there that day with John the Baptist. And, and, and he has this revelation. G, John the Baptist had this revelation. He saw Jesus. He saw the Spirit descend upon Jesus that day. This is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you to water. That's what John was saying. I'm, I'm immersing you. I'm baptizing you into the water of repentance, but Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Lamb of God. This is what, what John the Baptist said. He says, behold the Lamb of God. I want you to look at Jesus today with me. The Lamb of God. In 1 Peter it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before for the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for you and for I. This, what Peter is saying is that you and I were ransomed. We were bought not with silver, not with gold, not with things that perish, but the blood of Jesus, the same blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ that was poured out on Calvary for you and I. That blood is not perishable, perishable blood. It didn't decay. It didn't get old. It didn't just stay on that cross. That same blood is covering the doorpost of my life. That, that same blood is washing me, washing you clean today. That blood, the blood of Jesus, the, imperish, the, 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 the not perishing blood, the blood that continues, the blood that goes on and on and on, the same blood that's applied to the mercy seat in heaven for you and I today. It's there. It's still active. It's still restoring. It's still healing. It's still changing. And the Bible says that this this plan, the plan of the ages, the plan that Jesus would come as the Lamb of God was planned before the foundations of the world. Before the world, before God said light be, before he 
formed Adam and Eve out of the dust of the earth before, before the, the fruit began to blossom on the tree, before there were clouds in the sky, before there was a sun shining. There was a plan through the ages called the redemptive plan of God. And your name and my name, our account was on that record. There was coming a day where the Lamb of God would step into creation and offer himself as a perfect, spotless, blemishless sacrifice for you and I. Yeah, he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. What does that mean for you? It means in the middle of your in the middle of your sin, in the middle of your disobedience, in the middle of your issues, in the middle of your uh, uh, of your disobedience towards God, there there is a lamb. There is a sacrifice, not the sacrifice of the ages of, 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 the, of the high priest and the temple, but a perfect lamb. A perfect lamb offered by God. I want you to think about that for a second. Is that man through the ages was offering sacrifices. They had sacrificial lambs. Lambs that were raised just to be sacrificed. Just to be on the altar in the temple. To make atonement for people's sins. But God said that wasn't enough. That wouldn't cover the sin and the disobedience. That wouldn't bring the, the, the fulfillment of the justice of God. And so he said, I, I'm going to offer a perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice. I'm going to give you a perfect sacrifice. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to come into creation. I'm going to lay down myself as a perfect, spotless sacrifice. He didn't respond with an angel. He didn't say the angel can go and be your sacrifice. He said, I will respond. And Christ came, the Lamb of God, that was slain before the foundations of the world. Isaiah tells us that we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one of us to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How many of you got sin in your life? You've, you, you've got sin you have to deal with, right? You, I, oh, isn't it good to know that that sin, that issue has been laid upon Christ? Your sin. You know, there's, there's a problem in the world today. If you turn on the news, there's a problem. It's all around us. And I've got news for you. It's not, it's not racism. It's not hatred. It's, not, it's called sin. There's a sin problem in the world today. And the only solution is the blood of the sacrificial lamb called Jesus Christ. That's the solution. Every single one of us are on a path destined for hell. Every one of us, God didn't say I'm, you're, you're horrible and you're going to hell. Because of sin, that was the result. And God said, I'm going to step into your mess, to your sin, to your disobedience, to your depravity, to your carnality. I don't have to. I'm holy. I'm set apart. There's none like me. But I choose to humble myself. I choose to step in, empty myself, and become a man, become a lamb, sacrifice for you. He stepped into creation for your sake, for my sake. And he took my name, my sin, my issue upon him. I was the, the, the lamb. I was that little sheepadoo that had gone astray. I'd gone about my own way. I was a sheep that was headed off the cliff. But the great shepherd stepped in and became a lamb for me. The, 
mm, I, my, my. I was I was the sheep. I was I was the sheep that was led astray by disobedience. I was the I was the lamb going off of my own way, the little lamby do. But Jesus became a lamb. He became the sacrificial lamb for me. I need, I didn't need another goat. I didn't need another lamb or another pigeon or a turtle dove. I needed a human. I needed a man. Only a human could take my place. Only a human, only a perfect human could take my place. And his name was Jesus Christ. And he opened his mouth, not his mouth. He went like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. He wasn't ignorant of what was coming. He wasn't a dumb lamb. He wasn't a dumb sheep. He was fully aware of what was awaiting him. And he said, no one takes my life, but I willingly lay it down. Before the foundations of the world, he knew the plan that was awaiting him for our redemption. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep before its shears, it was silent. So he opened not his mouth. Thank you, Jesus. But he was led, crucified, murdered, ripped apart for you and I as the sacrificial lamb of God. But if you flip to the end of the Bible, there's a picture in Revelation. And it says that after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Uh, Did you hear that? All tribes, all peoples, all languages. How do you deal with the race problem in the world today? It's right here. It's right in the book. It's right there. It, the blood of the Lamb deals with this. There's, there's, there's coming a day where every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every background will dance and sing and rejoice before the throne of God. Let, let me, that's not what I'm preaching on, but let me keep going. So, so, so he says, from all the tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. Who are we rejoicing in front of in this picture before the Lamb? It wasn't the Lamb crucified. This was the conquering Lamb of God. This was the victorious Lamb of God who was clothed. We We were clothed in white robes with palm branches, crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worship saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever amen the lamb of God the victorious lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world and who sits victorious as a conquering king for you and I That same lamb that was sacrificed, that same lamb that was offered on the tree at Calvary is the same lamb of God that sits and rules all the details and the orders of your life. He's ordered your steps and he's directing your path. Come on, somebody. He's ordering your step and directing your path. It's 
it's not some invisible force, but it's the lamb who's sitting, that humble lamb, the conquering lamb, the, the lion. The Bible says he's like a lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a roaring lion and a humble lamb. He's the one sitting and ruling all of the details of your life. When things get hard, the lamb is still in charge. When things get tough, the lamb is still in charge. When sickness comes your way, the lamb is still in charge. When people have something to say about you, the lamb is still in charge. When family's roaring around you, the lamb is still in charge. He's still seated on the throne. The same lamb that resurrected out of the tomb is the same lamb sitting on a throne of victory for me and you. So when life happens, don't get discouraged. See, I have a little lamb leading the way. Mary had a little lamb, and she took him everywhere she went. Some of you need to start practicing letting the lamb lead you everywhere you go. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Lamb, lead the way. Take me on. Lead my life. Direct my steps. <laughs> He's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. John, John the Baptist said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He takes away your sin. He obliterates the account that was against you. The Bible says in Acts 3.19 that when we repent, he obliterates. He wipes out the record that was against you. There, the, I, love the, I love the picture there because in the, in the Greek they would keep the tax collectors, would keep a record of what you owed in wax. They would, they would write it in on the wax. And so when you paid your dues, they would melt that. They would wipe it, erase it away. There was not, you couldn't even tell there was a record against you. It had been removed. And that's the same image that Christ used in Acts 3, that he, when you repent, he removes your sin, obliterates your past, and seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live, and live, say that with me, live, live. to righteousness. You're dead to sin, but living to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been The double cure. It's the double cure. He, he heals your sin problems and he removes the effects of the sinful world in which we live. He heals. You know, healing is not just physical. When we think about healing, we often think about a physical healing, a lame man getting up and walking. We think about blind eyes being open. But healing can happen in, in spaces of our life that nobody can see. Healing can happen not just physically, but it can happen in your mind. Your brain needs to be healed. Your, matter of fact, the Bible talks about our mind being renewed in the Word of God. That our minds have to be washed in the water of the Word because our minds are carnally programmed. Because of sin, because of the original sin, sin is affecting how we think and how we perceive things. And so our minds have to be renewed in the Word of God. God in order to see how God sees. 
And he heals our hearts. Sometimes our emotions are affected in the life we live. Our emotions get wounded. We get hurt. We get offended. Anybody ever been hurt in church before? Come on, don't lie. Raise your hand. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody at work before? Come on, don't lie. Raise your hand. It doesn't matter where you live or where you go, hurt is around you because we live in a sin-filled world. I wish people would get off of their soapbox about, well, the church done did me wrong. Guess what? They've done me wrong too, brother. (laughs) And I'm the pastor. (laughs) I get offended at all of them. But I have to forgive and be healed, right? I have to be healed. There's healing for my emotions. There's healing for your mind. There's healing for your emotions. You don't have to carry that offense. You don't have to let the root of bitterness spring up in your life causing an offense. Jesus can heal your broken heart. Life happens, but Jesus heals. Jesus can heal your heart. He can heal your emotions. He can heal your life. You know, not only do we have to be healed in our mind and healed in our emotions, but sometimes who we are, our identity has to be healed. We find our identity in the things of the world and our successes, our earthly, uh, our earthly trophies of success. Whatever trophy it is that you carry around with you that you identify yourself by, Jesus can heal that as well. Because that's not your identity. That's not who he made you to be. You might enjoy the blessings of success, but your identity is not in the trophy that you carry. Come on, somebody. Your identity is a child of God. Your identity is that you've been ransomed, not with earthly wealth and riches, but with the blood, the imperishable blood of Jesus Christ. That's your identity. Who has God made you to be? Who has he created you? You're his masterpiece, his workmanship. Who are you created to be? So sometimes we need healing of who we think we are. We're broken and don't even know it. We're broken and can't even see it. Come on, somebody. We, we walk around and carry our heads high. And at home, there's another story. In the recesses of your heart, there's another story. You're carrying around. Maybe somebody watching online today. Carrying around the brokenness of who you thought you were. And somebody lied to you and broke you. And you felt like, what? who am I? Who am I created to be? Come on, somebody. Because we've all been there. I know we don't like to admit it, but we've all been there. The double cure, the blood of Jesus, not only heals our sin, but heals our brokenness. Heals our minds, heals our emotions, heals our bodies, heals our relationships. He takes away the sin of the world. He lifts off, the, the word there takes away in the Greek is that it's like a burden removed. He takes away the burden. He takes away the burden you've been carrying. He takes away the burden of your family. I'm letting it just, I'm letting it percolate this morning. He takes away the burden. I mean, you're trying to figure out what career you're going. He takes away the burden. He said, take off, cast off. Get rid of your burden 
and take up my burden for it's light. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. What burden are you carrying around? His blood can wash it clean. His blood can remove the impacts and the effects of that burden on your life. Not just the burden of sin. Sin is a burden. Sin is a burden. You have to move from one degree of sin to the next to find happiness. And it's just a constant battle of burden after burden after burden. When you're lost in the sin, you don't recognize it as a burden. It's kind of it's like having a disease and not even knowing it's there. You can't use your arm. You just kind of get used to it being that way. I can't use my arm. And I just carry it around everywhere I go. I can't use it. It does me no good. But you just get used to the problem being there. Can't lift it up. Can't work with it. Can't do anything with it. And that's what sin is like. It's carrying around a burden. And, and you just get used to it being there. We get used to the burden on our neck. Have you ever felt yourself carrying around stress and you could literally physically feel the stress? And you just, you just eventually get used to it being there. And then you go on vacation. Come on now, somebody. You go on vacation. You sit on the beaches in Florida. And, and, and all of a sudden, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, I feel that. Yeah. So you go sit on the beaches and, and, and you're hanging out. And the stress, all of a sudden you start relaxing. And what do you start noticing? Wow. I'm really tense. I've been carrying around some stress in my shoulders. I've been carrying around. Yeah, I feel that. Because you start relaxing and your body starts relaxing. And all of a sudden you start noticing in your body, wow, I've been carrying some things around. We do that spiritually. We carry around the weight of our burdens and we don't even know we're doing it. Until Jesus shows up, you step into a Sunday morning service and Jesus shows up and knocks you on the floor for a few minutes and you're laying there under the rays of his glory and things start lightening up. You're like, wow, I didn't know I was so stressed. You step into his glory and you start laughing in the Holy Ghost. You're like, "Woo, this is glory. And then all of a sudden, wow, I didn't realize I was so bound up. I just, I needed some joy in my life. Right? He takes away the burden of your sin. Not only does he take it away, he breaks the cycle. In 1 John 3, it says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. He breaks the cycle of sin in your life. Does that mean you're perfect? No, but it means that you're not going to keep on living in sin. He breaks the cycle. Can I talk to somebody this morning who's, who's had some family cycles going on in your home? Maybe, maybe your mama or your daddy have some issues. Grandma and grandpa was a drunk and this and that, and they had a bad attitude and this, whatever. He breaks the cycle of sin in your life. That cycle stops with you. It's it's time to stop the cycle of sin. It's time to stop the cycle of oppression. It doesn't have to continue on. Fear doesn't have to continue on in your family. Sin doesn't have to continue. Break that cycle by the blood of Jesus. He removes the burden and he breaks the cycle. 
And I've got good news. In Hebrews 9, it says, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. (laughs) He will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin. Oh, he's already done that. He's already dealt with the sin. But when he comes back a second time, he's coming to save those. I, I, have a, I have a reservation for salvation, please. When the trumpet sounds, I'm, I'm in line for that. I was, I, I was at a restaurant last night and they said, we went in and they said, if, you know, it's, it's an hour and a half wait and we close in an hour. So if you want on, we can put you on the list, but we can't, we're not real sure we can get you in. So, um. So good luck. If you want to be put on the list, we'll put you on the list, but can't guarantee you'll get in before we close. Isn't it good to know I'm on the list? I have a home in heaven. <laughs> that the door on the ship of heaven's not going to get closed until I get my spot. I'm ready. <laughs> Jesus has got a place for you. He's got a place for me. And when he comes back, I'm on my way. And John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's He who baptizes in the Holy Ghost. Our Jesus not only redeems us, He saves us, He ransoms us, He he removes the weight of sin, He removes the bondage, He breaks the cycle, and He baptizes us in the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized. You need to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about when you get baptized in water, you, you know, I don't know about any other church, but around here, when we baptize you in water, you get baptized. <laughs> Every part of you is going under that water. How do I know? Because when most people hit that water, they can't move, so they sink. <laughs> So I know they're going under because once they, it's, we have to fish them out. So I know how this works. Woo! You know, it's a, people come up baptized in the Holy Ghost. People come up praying in tongues out of that water. You need to be baptized. You need to be immersed. This isn't a one, one dab will do you. It's not just come down to the altar and get a spot of oil put on your forehead and now you're good to go. It's continual immersion into the person of the Holy Ghost. He wants to saturate every area of your life. When you get baptized, it's not just one, one touch. It's saturation. Saturation. Paul said, keep being filled. Be being baptized. Be being filled. It's not just a one time, check the box, I got baptized 60 years ago, hallelujah. No, brother, he wants to fill you every day of your life. He wants to saturate you every day of your life. And fill you so much that this ugly, unruly thing in your body starts to submit to the will of God. This very thing that directs, it's called your tongue. The Bible says it's like a rudder on a ship that directs your course. The very thing that disrupts the course of your life. God says, I want to saturate you and fill you so much that this thing starts saying the things that I say. This thing starts praising me. This thing starts rejoicing in me. 
a language you may not understand, but I guarantee you it will direct the course of your life when you start praying in the Holy Ghost. I start praying according to the will of God. I start praising Him for things that I don't even know. I start rejoicing, praying and interceding in ways I don't know. But it's directing the course of my life. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will ask the Father in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I need a helper. I need Allos Paracletos. I need the I need the Paraclete in the Greek. I need I need the standby. I need the advocate. I need the counselor. I need the helper. I need him with me every day. I need him to speak to me. I need him to give me direction. I need to give me wisdom. The Bible says that he'll lead me into all truth. I need to be led. Take my hand, Lamb of God, and lead me on. I need to have the direction, the wisdom of heaven. And it comes by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. This isn't mystical. He's the third person of the Trinity. This isn't something outer space, hocus pocus, aliens and UFOs. This is very tangible and real Holy Spirit walking with you and I. Jesus said, Allos Paracletos, another helper, one just like me. He's coming to walk with you. The Holy Spirit wants to walk with you. If you find yourself in temptation, pray in the Spirit. When you find yourself in a bad mood, pray in the Spirit. When you find yourself in a, facing an obstacle, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. When you want to jibber-jabber and gossip, pray in the Holy Ghost. When you want to tell somebody off, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray, pray, pray in the Holy Spirit. And before you know it, the more that you saturate, the more it affects your life. I love the story. Sue was in the hospital. I tell this story every once in a while. Sue was in the hospital, and her nurse came into her the next morning and said, Ma'am, do you speak another language? And she, she said, No, I don't. She said, Well, all night long you were praying in another language. You were talking in another language. She said, That's my heavenly language. I'm just praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us even when we don't know what to say. When He's interceding through, she was laid up in a hospital bed. She didn't have the ability to pray, but the Holy Spirit was praying through her while she laid in that bed. She's praying in the Holy Ghost, followed by laughter, <laughs> which that's another story, too. The presence of the Lord, saturating your life. Another helper. It's interesting, in verse 17 he, uh, of John 14, he says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because it, it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you. So Jesus is telling his disciples, you know the Holy Spirit because he's dwelling with you. I've given you authority. You understand this, but there's more to come. You understand who he is. You've been seeing his ministry in operation. You've been walking with me. You've been in ministry with me. You've seen him in operation, but now there's more to come. He's going to saturate. He's going to baptize you. He's going to walk with you, be in you. You've seen him. In other words, Jesus is saying, you've seen him in me. You've seen his ministry. Remember, Jesus received the Spirit without measure. They'd seen, they had witnessed it. Now Jesus is saying, it's your turn. You've watched it in me. Now you're going to live this out. You've watched the Holy Spirit work in my life. Now you're going to carry this out. 
another helper, another helper. In John 7, Jesus stood up on the last day of the feast. I love this picture. They're doing their religious worship, doing their thing, and they're pouring out literally. The temple priest is pouring out. It's a very solemn ceremony, the ceremony of tabernacles, where they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a very solemn moment, very holy, reverent moment. Very liturgical moment. Ever been in those places where nobody wants to say or move because it's really holy and liturgical and religious? <laughs> That's what's happening. That's the scene. And it's just, they're pouring out, they mix water with wine and pour it out. It was symbolic. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It was a, the, the, his, he's like water and he's like wine. And here it is. It's a holy moment. And Jesus stands up in the middle of the crowd. If anyone's thirsty, <laughs> let him come to me and drink. He disrupted the religious people that day and said, you, you're pouring out water, pouring out your wine. That's just symbolism. If you'll come to me, that's shadows, but I'm offering you the real. That's types and shadows, and the real has come. Come drink of me. Come drink of the waters. John adds the note. After Jesus says, anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds the note. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus was telling them of what was to come. If you'll come and drink of the living waters, stop wasting your money, Isaiah says, on things that don't satisfy. Stop wasting your time, your effort, your energy on things that are going to perish. Come and drink, come and drink, come and drink of the waters, come and drink of the rivers of life, come and drink of the eternal supply, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What you drink of the rivers of heaven, what you drink of the river of the Holy Spirit, you don't want any of that other stuff. It's all good and it's great to have the earthly success and it's great to do things and have be blessed. But once you drink of heavenly waters, nothing else can satisfy. Once you drink of an eternal supply, everything changes. It's like all those things are great. There's but drops in the bucket. But this is the ocean. Those are but drops in a bucket. But he is the eternal supply. Come and drink from the river of life. He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost. They were all a drunken mess. Things looked unorderly and unruly. Maybe you think that about us today. Things look unruly and out of order. This isn't what I'm used to. Maybe you're watching online and thinking, who are these people? The preacher can't even talk. Didn't he go to seminary and learn how to preach? I've heard it before, friend. It's okay. I'm not offended. Mess. Peter stands up and he preaches. And in the middle of his message, 
in the middle of prophesying from Joel chapter 2, in the middle of what's happening, he says this, being therefore exalted, in Acts 2 verse 33, he says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. This, this mess. <laughs> This, this display of, of emotion, as you call it, the, this display of, of tongues and worship and glorifying God, this display of exuberance, this, all of this, all that's happening, the sound of the wind and the tongues of fire, everything that you're seeing, everything that you're experiencing right now, these are not a bunch of religious, it's not just religious fanatics, it's not just people that, that are, are, are excited, this... It's deeper than just excitement. It's deeper than just zeal. What you're seeing, this is more than that. It's more than just emotion. Yeah, our emotions are affected. Yes, our passion is affected. Yes, all of those things happen, but it's deeper than that. This, this that you see is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself is pouring out the Holy Spirit upon his people. That's what's happening. So when you see, then hear the tongues of fire, when you hear the worship in the Spirit, don't tune it off. Don't turn it out. Don't shove it into the back room because it's Jesus. It's the ministry of Jesus and he's ministering to his people. He's ministering to his church. The Bible says it's a sign to the unbelievers. It doesn't mean to shove it away and hide it. It's a sign saying, look at what Jesus is doing. So, Lord, fill us again with the Holy Ghost. Lord, baptize us afresh and anew in the Holy Ghost fire. Lord, set your people ablaze again. Let the tongues of fire fall. Let Pentecost happen again in your church. Jesus, Lord, baptize us again in the Holy Ghost and fire. Woo, Jesus. Jesus, set your people on fire again. Jesus, turn off the carnality. Turn off the worldliness. Turn off the TV and turn into the Holy Ghost. Woo, turn in to the fire of God and let him fill your soul again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand on your feet with me? Ha, ha, ha. Woo, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Woo, Jesus. Woo, Jesus, Jesus, woo, Jesus. Ya brahma se ye ama, prebo so ramate, kitalamose. Woo, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, just lift your hands and receive. He might fill you right there in your seat. He might fill you again. Kebra baso riyama. Come on, press in with me, church. This isn't a show. Come on, step into the Holy Ghost rivers. Jesus, you take away our sin and baptize us in the Holy Ghost. Jesus, fill us, Lord. Fill us up, Lord.
Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. Kebra mama se. Kiba mama se. Kekyama. Woo. Jesus. 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 Come on, press in. Uh, Jesus, the baptizer, is here. Come on, Jesus, the baptizer. Just close your eyes and get, get alone with the Lord today. Come on, press in. Come on, just if you don't know what to say, just say his name, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, just press in. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what else to say, say Jesus, but press in a little bit. Come on, he's breaking things off your life today. He's breaking off the carnality. He's baptizing you afresh and anew. If you... I, I just, right now, if you need a fresh baptism, I want you to get out of your seat and come forward. You say, Pastor, I need a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost. My tongues, my prayer language has gotten stopped up. My prayer language has gotten dry. I need more. My joy has diminished. My, come on. Come on. Come on. This isn't shameful. You need a fresh baptism. Get out of your seat and come on. My, I need to pray in the Holy Ghost. I need to dig up the ancient wells. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's a, that should be a whole lot of y'all. Come on. Come on, press on. Press in. Press in. Come on, you need a fresh baptism. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm, yeah. Jesus. 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 Jesus, <laughs> woo, Jesus, 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 Jesus. There are others, there are others, there are others. You need a fresh fire in your belly. Your passion for the Lord, your love, your first love for Him is waning. Come on, come on, come run to the altar. Let Jesus fill you again. Let Jesus stir His passion for Him again. Come on, come on, this isn't judgment. This is freedom, come on. Come, come, come to the altar where the Lord will stir the passion in you. Come on. Jesus. Come on. 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 Come